You guys ready for Christmas? Yeah. I mean, I love Christmas, and we need Christmas this year more than ever. Now, how many of you guys are already ready for Christmas? You've got all your Christmas shopping done. I mean, you've done Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday and all the other days, and you're ready. Raise your hand. You're ready. Feeling good. For those two that raised their hand, we hate you. Just wanted you to know. No, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. I'm a little behind this year, but um, I'm glad some of you are ahead of the game. That's awesome. Have you seen our Festival of Lights? How many of you guys have seen the Festival of Lights? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, there's something about Christmas lights and the wonder of Christmas, especially for children and And we do everything we do for a purpose at Woodland Church. And the purpose of our Festival of Lights, our first annual, is we want people who may have never been to church before to come up with their family and see the lights and have some hot chocolate and watch the kids' program and and have a wonderful experience. And maybe it will help them come to our Christmas Eve services. Maybe they've never set foot in a church before, but they come to the church property, and it makes it a little easier to take another step to come to the Christmas Eve services, which are so amazing at Woodland Church and so needed every year, but especially this year. So I hope you come to the Christmas lights and enjoy it with your family, the Festival of Lights. I love Christmas lights. I remember when um, my mom and dad would host the whole family at their house for Christmas, and you know, it was like all of us kids and our wives and our kids, like 20 grandkids, and it would just be crazy. And so, my dad always said the most beautiful Christmas lights he saw every Christmas were the taillights of our cars as they were leaving. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that, but I love Christmas and everything to do with Christmas. But today, I want to tell you something that's going to change your life. I've got some old keys up here, and let me just say to you, if you could imagine that one of these keys unlocks everything you've ever wanted. One of these keys is the key to everything. Maybe just imagine that there's some huge boxes back here, and they all have huge locks on them. And one of the boxes is labeled fulfillment. And I say, you know, one of these keys opens that box. And if you open that box, then you have total fulfillment in your life. And then there's another box with a huge lock on it that says joy. And I say, if you pick the right key, this key to everything, then you can open up that box and experience true joy that the world can't explain. And just an over-exceeding joy that just flows out of your life all the time. And then there's another box up there, and it says peace, but it has the huge lock on it. And I say, if you pick that one key that's the key to everything, then you can unlock that box and have peace of mind and heart in the middle of stress in the middle of confusion, in the middle of crazy and chaotic circumstances. You see, there is one key that if you choose it and choose the right key, 
You have found the key to everything, the key to unlocking all of God's blessings in your life. The Bible tells us there is a key to everything. And we're gonna look at it today by going back and looking at Christmas and seeing the wise men of Christmas and getting some wisdom from the wise men of Christmas because they discovered the key to everything. So would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter two? And would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, Woodland Church at Tascacita. Let's give them a big cheer. They can hear you guys. I don't know, can you hear them? And Woodland Church, North Point, give them a cheer, guys, yeah. We're back in business at North Point. The theater is back opened up and we're having services again and, and back in our building and Tascacita is awesome. And so, and here in the Woodlands, all you guys worshiping with us online. I know thousands of you now have been worshiping with us online in our area and around the world and through our broadcast ministry. And it's just great. Really, millions have been worshiping with us through our online and broadcast ministry around the world. And you're part of our church. We love you. We're all connected. And it's so important for us to stay connected as a church during this time. So follow along with me. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So King Herod hears about another king that's coming up, and he'd heard a lot about the Messiah, and the Messiah was coming. This king was coming, and so he wanted to know where the king was to be born, and he called the scribes and the priests together, and they pointed to a passage in prophecy that said he would be born in Bethlehem. And so then King Herod told the wise men, when you get to Bethlehem and you find this king, tell me exactly where he is because I wanna worship him as well. Of course, he really wanted to get rid of his competition. But the wise men, it says in verse nine, after hearing the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Dear Lord, I pray today that we would leave this place by another way, going another way in life, taking a different direction with our lives. Help us to discover this key to everything that the wise men found so that we can unlock all the blessings that you have for us. And Lord, help us not miss the miracle in this moment as we're all waiting for 2020 to be over with. Lord, I know that you wanna do something in 2020 that changes us forever, that takes us, Lord, into the rest of our life and makes it the best of our life. And do that in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about the wise men. We know they were called magi, which was a term in that day that was used as sort of a combination of a scientist, an astronomer, a doctor, a philosopher, all combined in one. 
these were very intelligent people, very well-educated and very wealthy. These were the wealthiest and most powerful men of their day. But apparently they were very dissatisfied and empty on the inside. How do I know that? Because they left everything behind to follow this mysterious star in search of God and true joy and fulfillment. They left everything behind to try to find this key to everything. Not knowing where the star would eventually lead them, but it was worth it to them. They followed the star for months. They had to have felt desperately empty on the inside to leave behind this life of comfort and luxury and privilege to take this risky journey that would take months, that would take years, so that they could find true fulfillment. See, some of you may not realize, but the wise men weren't at the stable on that first Christmas. Now, whenever we do a nativity scene at Woodland Church, like most nativity scenes, we have baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary we have all the animals, we have the shepherds, and we have the three wise men right there at the stable. And that's just because it's a little more convenient, but the wise men actually weren't there at the stable on the first Christmas. Their journey took such a long time, they didn't arrive until two years after Jesus was born. The star appeared to them the night Christ was born. Then they left everything behind to take this very treacherous journey for two years. And so the Christ child was two years old when they finally got to his house in Bethlehem. But they were willing to leave it all behind, to risk everything, to go on this long journey for two years because apparently they were totally empty on the inside because, see, they had followed after so many different things that had left them empty. They'd followed after wealth and they'd accumulated wealth, but they were still empty on the inside. They had followed after knowledge, they were the most educated people of their day, and they were still totally empty on the inside. They had followed after power, but it had left them empty. And they were willing to leave all of that and risk never getting it back again to go on this long journey in hopes that they would find true fulfillment. And they did. They found the key to everything. You see, when you follow after the wrong things, they always leave you empty. Your fulfillment will be determined by what you follow after. And we're always following after something because we were made that way. We were made to worship God, to follow after God, and you're gonna follow after something, but there's only one thing that can fill you. Your fulfillment will be determined by whatever you follow after, really by whatever you focus on. If you focus on yourself, your needs, your wants, how you feel, if you just focus on you, your goals, your desires, and how no one else really cares that much about your goals and your desires and your needs and your wants and how you feel, then you're gonna be in the depressed zone. But if you focus on God, you get your eyes off yourself a little bit and you focus on God and how great God is and powerful God is, your problems get a lot smaller and an amazing thing happens when you focus on God instead of living in the stress zone and the depressed zone, then you move to a rest zone where you still have problems and pain and difficulties, but you're resting in God's care. You know that he's bigger than any problem you face. You know that he cares about every 
small problem that you face. And so you're in the rest zone. And when you focus on God and others, you move to the blessed zone. And so the, the wise men had moved from this emptiness, this depressed zone, and they moved into the blessed zone. Because it says after they came to the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they just immediately fell down, bowed down, and worshiped. They worshiped him. And after they surrendered in worship to him, they gave. They gave gifts. So first, they gave Christ their worship. They were saying, this child is more than just a child. This child is God in human flesh. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. They focused on Christ and they worshiped him. And worship is really just focusing on God. A lot of times we get confused about worship. We think worship is maybe coming to church, coming to a worship service, or, or that worship is singing a song to God, worship music. And that's all part of worship, but it's a small part of worship because worship is focusing on God. And that's why our life should be a life of worship, totally surrendered and focused on God. Because whenever you focus on God, you're worshiping. You can worship at work when you give God your best and you know you're working for God as your boss and that he sees everything that you do. And then you're worshiping. You, you can worship when you wash dishes. You can worship when you work out. You can worship anytime when you're focused on God and instead of on your problems and all the stresses in your life. When you focus on God, that's worship and it gives you perspective. Worship gives you perspective. That's why you need to be in church every week to get realigned in your perspective. It's the big realignment in church. But every day you meet with God in worship and, and all through your day you recognize Christ is Lord and you focus on him. And that's why it's so dangerous to cut Christ out of Christmas because Christmas it's all about worship. The first Christmas was all about worship. Two years later, it's all about worship with the wise men. It's always been all about worship, surrendering to God and focusing on him. Now notice, they worshiped the Christ child. They didn't worship the star. I know some people who sort of worship miracles. You know, a miracle happens that God does something amazing in their life and they kind of worship the miracle. They look for the next miracle and they just kind of worship miracles and big extraordinary things, rather than the one who works the miracle. They didn't worship the star. They didn't worship Joseph. They didn't worship Mary. They worshiped the only one who was worthy of their worship, Jesus Christ, our Lord. They bowed down and they worshiped. And right after they surrendered to him and they worshiped, they gave. And whenever you truly surrender to God, when you truly experience worship for the first time, where you surrender your life to God, and God, I'm yours. You're worthy of my worship. And you start following after that which you were made to follow after, the very next thing that will happen is you'll give. You'll become a giver rather than a taker. Your whole focus will change. You'll be a giver rather than a taker. And there are really two types of people in the world, givers and takers. And there's only... One type of person that finds fulfillment, and that's the giver. And so they became givers, and they gave, and they gave their very best. They didn't give leftovers. They gave these amazing, expensive, and meaningful gifts. They gave gold, it says. And gold was reserved for royalty. It was only given to kings. So in giving him gold, they were saying, you are the king. 
This little two-year-old is the king of kings, God in human flesh, the ruler of the universe. And then it says they gave him frankincense. It was a very rare and expensive spice. It was made from the bark of a tree in Arabia, which may have been where these magi came from. At least they had to come through that area to get to Bethlehem. Now this frankincense was an incense used in temple worship. And so in giving him frankincense, they were saying, he is God worthy of our worship. He's the only one worthy of our worship. But then they gave him myrrh, which is a really odd gift because myrrh was an expensive spice used in the ancient world to embalm the dead. So why would you give a death spice to a baby? Well, in giving him myrrh, they were saying, not only is he the king, the ruler, and not only is he God, the only one worthy of our worship, but he's also the savior who's going to die to forgive us of our sins. What powerful gifts they gave that recognized the gift of Christmas. See, the wise men recognized the gift of Christmas. The wise men received the gift of Christmas. They recognized the greatest gift was Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about, folks, Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas has always been about, Jesus Christ. And of course, as our culture has moved further and further away from Christ, and yet we've kept Christmas, there's an emptiness to it. So many people celebrate Christmas year after year after year, but they never unwrap the real gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And they miss fulfillment and joy and peace. It all comes from a relationship with Jesus, not religion, but a relationship. You're made for that relationship. You crave that relationship. And when you try anything else to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart, it will just leave you empty. The greatest gift is Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so all this gift giving at Christmas all started with the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. He gave the greatest gift, he gave his life so that we could have forgiveness. Now gift giving, receiving gifts is fun, giving gifts is fun. I love Christmas and everything about it and I, I love getting presents and giving presents and, and just the whole thing of Christmas is awesome and we celebrate it big time at Woodland Church. We love to celebrate it in our family. Um, but really it's all about Jesus. That's all that matters is Jesus. I remember when my kids were little, I came up with an idea to help them remember my birthday because they didn't care about my birthday. And it was no big deal, you know, it just came and went. And so I decided that on my birthday that each of my children would get $20, a $20 gift, and then I would take them to the store and they could each pick out a toy for $20 on my birthday. It changed the game. I mean, three months before my birthday, you know, like, hey, Dad, I can't wait. It's only three months to your birthday. It's going to be so exciting. You know, it's like, Dad, it's 22 days to your birthday. I'm counting it down. I'm so excited about your birthday. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to celebrate. I mean, it just changed them completely. And I think that's kind of what Jesus has allowed us to do. It's like, hey, that's great. Uh, you get to get gifts on my birthday. That just helps you remember my birthday a little more. But don't forget it's my birthday. 
Don't forget, I'm the birthday boy. Everyone else gets presents, but I'm the birthday boy. Don't forget to give me your greatest gift, your heart, your life. And so the wise men, they discovered Christmas. And in doing so, they discovered the key to everything. It's not that one, apparently. That's, a, that's like a magic trick. I don't know how that happened, you know? Some keys just need to fall away, folks. Now we're down to two. Now, and later in the message, this other one will fall off. You watch. Yeah. I don't need comments from you. Thank you, though. Thank you, though. Uh-huh. Thank you. Appreciate that. That'll be in the blooper reel later. Mm-hmm. But they did discover the key to everything. And what was it? What is the key to everything? It's the key that Jesus showed us. For God so loved the world that he gave. The secret to living is giving. They gave. Once they surrendered, they became givers. It wasn't about what they could accumulate anymore. It wasn't about the knowledge that they could possess for themselves anymore. It wasn't about the power that they could draw to themselves. It was about what they could give. And I believe it changed them forever. The word faith is an important word in the Bible. It's a great value that God says, without it, it's impossible to please me. And so faith is such an important key. It's an important value in God's word. It's mentioned 246 times in the Bible. Hope is another value, a key that is so important to life. God wants us to be filled with hope. That word is mentioned 185 times in scripture. And then love, love, the greatest value of all. Love is so important, it's such an important key to life and relationships. It's mentioned 733 times in God's word. But the word give, the value of giving is mentioned 2,285 times. Why is giving talked about in God's word so much more than love or faith or hope? It's because giving is the expression of faith, hope, and love. Giving is what activates faith, hope, and love. That's why it is the key to everything because love is not love until you give it away. It's not even love until you give. Giving activates love, it activates faith, it activates hope. We're to give away our faith. We're to give hope to others. And love's not even love until you give it away. It's not a feeling. It's a gift that you give away in an action, in a commitment. And so giving, as the wise men discovered, is the key that activates every blessing of God in your life. And because it's so important, I wanna share with you three things about it, about this key and how to use this key and what it does in our lives. And by the way, Carl Menninger, the distinguished psychiatrist who founded the Menninger Clinic, said giving is an important criteria of mental health. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. Generosity is the healthiest attitude and characteristic you could ever develop in life. First, I want you to see that giving this key to everything frees me. It frees me up from the depressed zone. 
giving is crucial to breaking free from depression. Now, anxiety and depression have a physiological aspect to it without a doubt. Um, some people suffer from depression because of a chemical imbalance in the brain. Um, maybe they have low serotonin. Serotonin is that happy messenger that sends messages to the brain that tells the body to relax and to, to be in a good mood and to feel good. And some people have low serotonin or some other chemical imbalance in the brain that causes depression. And I say that because if you're a Christ follower and you're going through a deep, dark depression, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Some of the greatest men and women of God in the Bible suffered from depression. Elijah, David, Jeremiah, all suffered from depression. They probably had chemical imbalances that were a part of that depression that they went through, and God used that depression in their lives to draw them closer to himself. So you shouldn't feel guilty about it, because some Christians feel guilty about going through depression. It's like, I shouldn't be depressed. I'm a Christian. I should be happy because of Christ. And so I want you to know there is a physiological aspect to depression, but there's also a very spiritual aspect to all depression. And you'll never find a solution to depression without a spiritual solution as well. I think it's really important when you're going through depression to go to counseling, to go to psychologists, psychiatrists that are Christians. And, and it's okay to take medication and all those things that God has provided, but don't miss out on the spiritual aspect to it because for some people, it's just a spiritual thing that they need to deal with. And for everyone going through depression, there's a huge spiritual aspect that you cannot ignore. There's no solution to depression without a spiritual solution involved in it. And so that spiritual solution really comes down to giving. It's giving forgiveness. It's giving God first place in your life. It's giving of your time, talent, and treasure. It's becoming a giver in life is such a critical aspect to it. In Matthew 2.10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The word joy there in the Greek literally means jumping up and down kind of joy. They were jumping up and down, giving each other high fives, hugging each other. I mean, it was a joy that just welled up and just came outside of them. It lifted them out of their depressed zone into a joyful zone when they followed after the star and it came to the Christ child and it led them to worship and to become givers. In Acts 20, 35, Jesus said, there's more happiness in giving than receiving. You notice Jesus didn't say there's no happiness in receiving. He wants you to learn how to receive. There's happiness in receiving. There's just more happiness in giving. Makes you happy. It fills you with true joy. It's the key that frees you up to receive as well. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus said this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's an amazing promise of God. That's not me saying this, that's Jesus Christ saying this. He's saying give, and it's a commandment, give and it will be given back to you. Basically saying you could decide how much God blesses you. Saying give, and whatever you give, you're gonna get back. 
if you give away friendship and you befriend others and you give the gift of friendship to others, then you're gonna get friends. If you don't have any friends, then you need to be a friend, give away friendship. If you need energy, what do you do? You have to exercise. You have to give away energy. You give away energy, and at first, you feel a lot worse. But then you start getting energy, more and more energy, more and more energy. You give it, whatever you need, you have to give away, Jesus said. You've got to learn to give. And that includes giving forgiveness, giving grace to others, giving love to others, giving of your resources to God and others. And it changes everything. And then he says, it's a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's gonna just be poured into your lap. And that really signifies it's even things money can't buy, the things that are most important, fulfillment, peace, joy, things that the world could never steal. And of course, financial blessings, of course, meeting your needs. God says, if you give, I'm gonna take care of you and I'm gonna give you the things that money can't buy. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Not only will you get back what you give, but you get to decide how much. Isn't that amazing? And that's Jesus Christ. And he always keeps his promises. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul here is talking to Timothy, who's a pastor, and he's telling them, here's what you've gotta do for your congregation. Here's what I'm gonna command you to do. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so he's saying, hey, you pastors, it's your job. You've gotta command those who are rich in your congregation to not put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in the Lord God and some of you are going, well, I'm off the hook because I'm not rich, and I want you to know something. If you live in America, you're rich. We're all rich because half the world lives on less than $2 a day. If you live in America and you're on welfare, then you're in the top 10% of income in the world today. And by the way, because of the shutdowns in the pandemic, because of all the shutdowns, there's new statistics that are out that say that millions more people now have been shoved into poverty and so many people have been put out of work and so many, the economy has taken hit, all these things and, and that's a, a, a terrible thing for our area and all around the first world but in the third world, it has shoved millions more people into extreme poverty making less than $2 a day. And so if you live in America, you're in the top 10% of income, even if you're on welfare. The top 10% of income in the world today, so we're all wealthy compared to the rest of the world. So this really speaks to every one of us, but he says don't worry about it, don't feel guilty about it, as long as you do two things. Let's go on and look at what they are. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's saying it's okay that you're rich, as long as you do two things. First, be grateful for what you have. Thank the Lord for what you have instead of always wanting more or looking at what someone else has. And then secondly, give. Be grateful and be generous. Be givers. If you do those two things, it's okay. Don't worry about it. 
But if you don't do those two things, you better worry about it. And that's why he tells pastors like me, your job is to command those in your congregation to do those two things, and you're to do those two things. I want you to see a second thing, though. Giving unlocks the blessed zone. Not only does it free me from the depressed zone, but it unlocks the blessed zone. In Proverbs 22, 9, it says, generous people will be blessed. You get to decide what zone you live in. It all comes down to your focus. You can live in the stress zone, the depressed zone, or the rest zone and blessed zone. And God wants you to live in that blessed zone. There was a father who was a home builder, and he was known for his craftsmanship because he always took extra time and and he did everything to the best of his abilities. And so his work became known in the area as he built the best homes because he took no shortcuts. He, he did everything with the best materials, the best contractors. He, he added all the little touches, but you know, he made sure everything was just right. And in doing so, he cut down his profit margin a whole lot. But he didn't care because he always wanted to give it his very best. Well, his son was his top assistant and his son was getting ready to take over the business as his dad would soon be retiring. So the father came to the son and said, hey, I want you to build this next house all by yourself. I'm not even gonna be involved in it. You, you just build it all by yourself and, and then when you sell it, uh, you can keep all the profits from it. So the son who had been resentful of his dad for some time for having such a small profit margin because he always saw areas where they could cut corners and so he decided he was gonna cut a lot of corners that no one could see from the outside. And he, he got shoddy materials, there's a lot of shoddy workmanship, and, and he hid a lot of things. And, and on the outside, it looked great. But his profit margin was huge, and he was so excited about selling the house. And when the day finally came where the house was finished and his dad came to look at it, the son said, Dad, you're gonna be so proud of me because I'm gonna make a huge profit from this house with what I've done. And the dad said, oh, no, you're not. He said, I've been holding it in and holding it in and holding it in. And I've been so excited to tell you this. This is your house. And he handed him the keys and said, this is a gift to you. And that son had to live in the house that he built. And isn't that life? God says, here are the keys. You get to live in the house you build. You get to live in the life that you build. You get to live in the life that you build, and some people are building a life of selfishness. Some people are debt builders. They don't know God's principles on finances, about giving, saving, getting out of debt, investing, all those things the Bible talks about so much. And so they're debt builders. And other people, they're wealth builders. They know God's principles of getting out of debt and saving and investing, and they're always making these wise financial decisions, and they're building a lot of wealth. They're wealth builders, but they just spend it all on themselves. They've never learned to give. And so they may live 60, 70, 80 years. They die, and they leave it all to someone else. They leave it all to the government and their kids to fight over. They can't take it with them. They're just wealth builders. But then others are kingdom builders. They have learned God's principles and they put giving first, and they're investing in heaven, and they're giving to make an eternal difference, to change lives, to change eternal destinies. They're kingdom builders, and the Bible says they are investing, they're storing up treasure, they're wealth building, it's just in eternity.
that they're wealth building. And that makes all the difference. In Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. This is the principle of the tithe, giving the Lord the first and the best. That first 10% the Bible talks about of all you make so God can bless the rest. So that God is first place in our hearts and lives in a very important area. It says, honor the Lord. You honor him when you give him the first, not the last. When you give him the best, not the leftovers. We honor the Lord because wherever your money goes, your heart follows. Whatever you give to, then your heart and your love will follow that. That's just a principle of life. And when you first started dating those of you who are married, you start giving to each other and your heart just gets more connected, more attached. Because wherever your money goes, your heart will follow. I remember when one of my sons was a teenager and got his first job, was working really hard, and and came back with his first paycheck, and he said, Dad, this doesn't make any sense. I earned $300, but this check says $252. And I said, that's the government. Get used to it. He goes, you're kidding. Nope. That's a pretty good deal there. He's like, What? Then he asked another question that was a really good question. He said, well, what do I tithe on? I know I'm supposed to give the first 10%. That's what God says, and Jesus affirmed it. But what, you know, do I tithe on the $300 or do I tithe on the $252? And my wife spoke up and she said, so you're asking if you're gonna tithe on the gross or the net? She said, well, how much do you want God to bless you, on the gross or the net? And then she said, if you tithe off the net, then you're saying the government is more important than God because they got theirs first and you're not gonna give God off the top like the government takes off the top and so you're saying the government's more important than God. I go, wow, you're preaching it, you know? And, and my son said, that's great, then I'll tithe on the $300, that's awesome. And he was glad to do it. And then my daughter, Megan, at the time, who was in grade school, she heard the conversation, she said, what? Out of 300 bucks, God only wants 30? Whoa, that's a good deal. And and I thought, wow, I wish every Christ follower had that perspective. To give God the first 10%, that's it? And he says, enjoy the rest? Just the first 10%, that's it? When God gives us everything we have, even the very breath that's in our lungs, that's it? But a lot of people look at it and go, oh, God, you know, that's a lot. And that's because they don't have a God they can trust. They don't have a God that's big and great. They make God really small. And so God says, I, I want to be God in your life, so I want you to trust me with the most important area of your life and be a kingdom builder. And so we have an opportunity to do that. Every December we have this thing that's one of the most important and powerful life-changing things we do. It's called Give Your Greatest Gift to Christ at Christmas. And it started with Chris and I and our family when our kids were growing up. She said, Carrie, I want our kids to know that Christmas is about Jesus and not about all the presents and the toys and all this stuff, you know? And we came up with the idea that we would add all the Christmas presents together, the cost of them, and then we would write out a check and give God the most expensive, the accumulation of the cost of all the gifts, and we would add to it 
and he would get our greatest gift. And we'd let our kids watch us write out the check and we'd give. And so we started doing that and it really was powerful in our family for our family to know that Christ came first at Christmas. It's his birthday. Everyone else gets presents except for the birthday boy. No more in our family. It won't be like that. And so then we brought it to the church and we started doing that in the church. And I've heard over the years from so many that said that just changed everything about Christmas and their family. And so the Give Your Greatest Gift offering is next weekend, really it's all December, you can do it any time, and I wanna kinda walk you through it like I do every December to kind of explain to you what it is. So we're gonna put it up on the screens. So it's the Give Your Greatest Gift offering, and you can right now, would you take out your, to go through it and look at it, would you take out your smartphone, and you can go to wc.org, or you can go to our app, and then click on Give Your Greatest Gift, and you can follow along, and you can see how you give your greatest gift this year and what it's all about. I want you to look at your impact in 2020. The Gospel of Hope, did you know 1,328,240 visitors came to Woodland Church Online Campus this year? Isn't that amazing? It was just unbelievable what God did. 6,208 people prayed to receive Christ online. And we have pastors there that helped them grow in their faith. 4.5 million people have watched Woodland Church on television around the world this year. It's amazing how the gospel of hope is getting out more than ever, even during these times. And then we reached the poor and powerless. 10,000 meals were provided to frontline medical workers during this pandemic. 2,500 lives were saved through our blood drives, 150,000 acts of love and kindness in the Houston area during COVID. And then the next generation, 64,695 children grew in Christ through our WC Kids in-person and online ministry this year. 50 future pastors and ministry leaders were trained through Woodland Church Seminary this year. Global outreach. Woodland Church has continued to support our global ministry partners in 2020, bringing food resources, leadership support, financial assistance, human trafficking prevention, disaster relief, church planting, ministry development, and training to places like Kenya, India, Haiti, Sweden, Honduras, Malawi, and beyond. I go on and on about all of the missions that are happening. This year's been the greatest year of mission and ministry in the history of our church. Even though giving has gone down and we couldn't even meet for months, we've been cutting and doing all the things we can so that we can give even more. So what is your greatest gift? What is this we do every year? That if you're a first time guest, you can tune me out. Something our regular tenders get into and make such a difference in our lives. But what is give your greatest gift? It's an opportunity for your family to show love for Jesus and his church by giving sacrificially over and above our regular tithes and offerings during our December offering so our church can continue to fulfill the mission of Christ. It's a chance for our church family to show gratitude and faithfulness to God and his bride. It's also an opportunity for you to be blessed through obedience. Really, it's more important for you than it is for the church, though it's very important for the church. It's more important for us. It's more important for us than it is the church because it gives us a chance to step out in faith. And every year, God always challenges Chris and I to give more above our tithes and offerings, to give more sacrificially, because we don't wanna rest on last year's commitment. We don't wanna rest on something that we did years ago in sacrificially giving 
we want a new blessing from the Lord today. And so why should I give? Well, like most nonprofits and churches, Woodland Church depends on many times up to 30% of our budget coming in in December at the end of the year giving. And so it's so crucial, and this year it's even more crucial because we've got so much catching up to do. And if we don't catch up, then it really affects the ministries and missions next year because what comes in in December really determines the budget for the next year. And so it's really crucial. Um, probably the most important give your greatest gift that we've ever had so we can keep expanding ministries and missions rather than cutting them. And then how much should I give? Well, Jesus taught that what matters most is not the amount of the gift, it's the heart of the gift. So I'm asking you to prayerfully seek God. Chris and I will be praying and we'll be seeking God to show us what to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings. And, and at first it's always a little scary to us. And then it becomes joyful beyond measure. And what we do is we each pray individually and we write a number down and then we come together. And then if the number's not the same, it's the one who has the higher number and the more faith that we go with. And then we pray again together and say, God, is that the right number? Or do you want us to up our gift? Do you want us to up the pledge? And always God raises it. He says, go a little higher, go a little higher. You see, you can give based on reason or based on revelation. When I give based on reason, I give, well, what do I have to give? Let me take some of that and give. If you give based on revelation, you give based on how you want to be blessed. That the measure you use, it'll be measured unto you. And some of you are going through a really tough financial time right now. You're out of work and and we've been helping so many people in our church, members in our church with benevolence and helping them with needs and bills and getting them through. And, and maybe you just need to sit this one out. That's okay. But if you can give, you ought to give for your sake. You ought to give for your own sake. And we all can't give the same amount, but we can all sacrifice. It's the heart that really matters. For some of you, $100 would be a huge sacrifice over and above your regular ties. It'd be a huge sacrifice. And then others, you'd have to give 100,000 for it to even make a dent. And really it just comes down to, what does God tell you to do? What does God tell you to do? You follow God and you can never go wrong. Don't give because someone pressures you to give. Give because God tells you to give. And if you're not tithing, I can tell you this. God says, you need to start tithing. Giving the first 10%. Say, I can't afford to, Carrie. You can't afford not to. It's the first thing you gotta do to put God first, to get him involved in your finances. And he promised you he will meet, he'll meet your needs. There'll be a time of testing, and then will come the time of blessing. It always happens that way. And God will come through for you, and you'll see it, and you will be amazed. Don't throw your money away this Christmas. Invest it in eternity, in the things that really matter. And how can you give? You can just click on there, and you can give, and you can give today, give tomorrow, you can uh, give next week. Um, it really doesn't matter, but give before the end of the year, and make it a priority before all the other gifts and presents. Put Jesus first. So how do you give? You can give with your smartphone, and just text give WC to 77977. Give WC, one word to 77977. Or you can give online. Go to wc.org slash give and it'll show give your greatest gift. 
and you can give there. You can mail in your check to One Fellowship Drive, the Woodland 77384. You can give it to a pastor. However you wanna do it, you can give stocks. You can call our accountant up here. You can call our administration team, give stocks or assets, but we can't all give the same amount, but we can all give, and the church needs it more than ever, but you need it more than the church because it changes your life. And I unashamedly, unashamedly tell you, it's the secret to everything. You know, I think it's because in our area, it's probably the greatest sin in our area, is the sin of materialism and the sin of things and holding on to things and cheating God out of what is his. And so it's so important to break free from that. And I know that I get a little uncomfortable talking about it every December, but I really shouldn't be. Because when we get to heaven, some of you are gonna be really mad at me. You're gonna go, Pastor Kerry, why didn't you talk about it so much more? Because I could have been laying up treasure up here. I could have been doing so much more. And all of it's gone now, wasted. Why didn't you talk about it more? Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven or hell. I guess he knows it's important to us. And it holds us back. But God wants you to go into the blessed zone, to be free from all that financial stress, to go into the blessed zone and experience his blessings. And I say that unashamedly because I know it's true. It's God's word. And then I want you to look at this last thing. Giving changes the direction of my life. In Matthew 2, 12, it says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love that because what imagery there. They returned by another way. They went back to their old life, but they were new. They went back to that life of wealth. It, it was still there for them, I'm sure. Even though they didn't know after being gone two years what would happen to them on a treacherous journey. But they go back, but they go another way, by another route. This time, it's not their wealth, it's not their possessions, it's not their power, it's not their prestige. It's all for God's glory. They're givers rather than takers. They're filled with God's love and significance and purpose. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What that's saying is that your heart follows your giving. It's as simple as that. If, you, if I can see what you spend your money on and what you spend your time on, I'll tell you what you love. I can tell you what you love because your heart will always go where your giving is. If you give to the bride of Christ through your church family, then you'll love your church. If you, you know, give to your wife, you're gonna love your wife. You give to your husband, you're gonna love your husband. Whatever your giving goes to, giving of your time, talent, and treasure, your heart's gonna follow. So give to the Lord God and let your heart follow today. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for the secret to everything. So many times, Lord, I hold on to forgiveness when I need to forgive. So many times I hold on, Lord Jesus, to faith when I need to give it to someone else. So many times I hold on to hope when I need to give it away so I can receive it. So many times I hold on to love, Lord, when I need to give it. But Lord, help us to give, to be givers rather than takers to just give and give and give because you bless us to be a blessing. You want us to be a conduit of your blessings. 
that we'd be a channel of your giving so we can receive all that you have for us. And I know what unlocks it, and that's giving. Lord, I thank you for our faith-filled, amazing church. I pray for blessings upon them and strength upon them in everything that they're going through, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. And there's a time of testing and the time of blessing. Those who are going through the time of testing, Lord, remind them that you're gonna see them through. Your promises are true. Those who are going through a time of blessing, Lord, remind them that those blessings are all from you and they're to give. And Lord, we're all to give what you ask us to give for your glory and your kingdom to be built. And Lord, I thank you that you gave the greatest gift of all, the gift of your son. And I, I pray this Christmas that this would be about you, Jesus, nothing else but you. All about you, Jesus. That everything we would do would be focused on you, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift. And I pray for those who've never received the greatest gift that they would right now just say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I receive the gift of Christmas. I receive you into my life and ask you to forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I wanna follow you and follow after you from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You unwrap the gift of Christmas. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And you can give your greatest gift today or you can just do your regular giving. But take out your smartphone, text GIVEWC to 77977 and give. Or you can give online, wc.org, slash give, or mail in your check. Do, but give. Make it a priority. Make it a discipline. And give to the Lord. I also want to encourage you on the way out. You're such an amazing church. On the way out, we have some angels left over, about 500 of our, I think, 4,000 angels. We connect with the school district for under-resourced kids, with... Um, uh, child Protective Services for under-resourced kids, and we're providing Christmas for 4,000 children that wouldn't have it. It's amazing, and I praise God for you. We got a few left. You ought to pick one up on your way out. But let's give. Let's give to Jesus Christ for his glory and his kingdom. At Woodland Church, let's stand and let's sing because God's promises are true. His faithfulness is true, and he will see you through. Whatever you're going through, He's gonna see you through. His promises come with the premise. We always have to take a step of faith and he opens the door and sees us through. But let's sing to him with all our hearts. Let this be our declaration as we're moving into the most exciting time in the history of Woodlands Church, moving into the most special season of the year and God's gonna do miracles and we're gonna give him all the credit because he is the miracle of Christmas. Let's sing with all our hearts. His promises are true. His faithfulness will never end. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.